Thank you to my friend Matt Chandler for lending me his voice for that little video. Uh, his reading of the book of James has been getting me fired up all week. Uh, campus update before we get into it. We have not yet been cleared to return to our campus by the denominational office we lease from. They're managing multiple tenants on that property, uh, sorting through prevention plans, guidelines, etc. CDPH, OSHA, the county have all released guidelines, so no surprise for when we do return, distancing, masks, shorter services, heightened sanitations, families stay together. Uh, these guidelines right now are set for around 21 days, at which point they will be reevaluated and hopefully if things are going well, ease. So we're, we're a little bit on hold still for maybe a couple more weeks. Uh, this could put us back up there for a test run though around Father's Day, which is a great day to try to return because nobody comes to church on Father's Day anyway. It'd be perfect. Uh, we're also looking at doing something on the lawn. Uh, maybe bring your own donuts, service outside. Uh, again, we are submitting to the process here at this point. Also, thank you for filling out the survey. For those who started it, 84% of you finished it. That makes our church a solid B. I can live with that. Good job, guys. Uh, I wasn't surprising information, but it was helpful to see the numbers. And it wasn't a vote. Uh, conviction still leads better than consensus. Uh, we will continue to seek God and counsel. Uh, but I do want to remind us also seeing that and seeing that information that we are all a family. And we may not always agree, but we can always seek to understand. We may not always agree, but we can always seek to understand. If you feel that no one should ever leave their house ever again, try to understand why someone may not feel that way. We are going to be offering church at home indefinitely. Everyone is welcome and encouraged to stay at home if you're not ready or not feeling well. If you believe this is all a hoax designed by Elon Musk, try to have some compassion and understanding for those who believe the virus is harmful. If you're asked to wear a mask, stop pretending you're some defiant revolutionary and just do it. Okay, I'm just doing a little parenting as we begin to group up again, coming soon. James 1. All right, book of James. Who was, a uh, little review, who was the book of James written by? Good, James. Who was James? Good. Jesus' half-brother, same mom, different dads. James grew up with Jesus, didn't necessarily like Jesus, wasn't an early follower of Jesus, but James went from familiar with Jesus to follower of Jesus. James went from familiar with Jesus to follower of Jesus, which is a transition we all undergo, and sometimes we go backwards. We're, we're, at one point in your life, you're a real good follower, now you're just kind of familiar. Or maybe you're familiar if you're like, man, what's that next step toward follower? James, the book, it reads and talks like a combination of Jesus and Proverbs. This guy spent 20 to 30 years growing up with Jesus. And at the time, he might not have liked it, but Jesus was rubbing off on him. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus? He's just dropping wisdom around the house left and right. Like how annoying that would have been for a little brother. Jesus was a sibling who was always right. He always said the right thing. But we also need those voices in our lives. Even if they're annoying, they speak wisdom. This book of James is extremely practical. It's been called the Epistle of Applied Christianity. It's about faith that works. It's a challenge for people long in theory and short on practice, where there's a gap between knowledge and execution. The Western church struggles with this. Uh, in many ways, we have far outlearned our own obedience. We have studies and videos and podcasts and books and church services and conferences. But who are we discipling? 
When was the last time most of us led someone to Jesus or served the poor or stood up for injustice or gave to the point that it was uncomfortable? Now, I know that's no one in our church, but this is what James is talking about and who James is talking to. There are around 46 imperatives in this letter, blunt directives. And these are not feel-good cliches like, follow your heart. They are, they are an articulate punch in the gut. He's encouraging the church to live integrated lives that is less about their religion and more about their everyday lifestyle reflecting Jesus. This isn't about new theological wisdom, but rather let me get up in your life and challenge how you live. It's relatively short, five chapters, but jam-packed. Chapter one serves almost as a sampling of everything to come. Chapters two through five could be seen as 12 short teachings that form not so much one main idea, but a series of connected devotions, ultimately arriving with the idea that true faith produces real fruit. True faith produces real fruit. Let's dive into chapter one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, looked at that last week, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. The 12 tribes scattered among the nations are Jewish believers from Jerusalem that were scattered when persecution heated up. Jerusalem is where the first church formed. The apostles were teaching and preaching, people were believing, and they added to their number daily. The Jewish council didn't like this. They had killed Jesus, and now they wanted to kill the movement. Christianity was seen as heretical and a threat to the well-being of Judaism. So Christians, being dragged from their homes, stoned in the streets, became so threatening that the thousands who made up the Christian movement there began to flee to other places and into their distant homelands. This was a hard time for the church, but it was also a big bang of sorts for Christianity, as this is where the message of Jesus really began to take off. We think now sometimes that this is a hard time for the church. We've been asked to watch services from the comfort of our own homes for a few months because the government is asking us to. The church James is writing to had to hide in their homes for years because the government wanted to kill them. So the church goes into motion, catalyzed by persecution, and it doesn't die, but rather grows. This early church spreads the gospel and the faithful grow closer to God and closer to one another. They'd formed something relatively comfortable in Jerusalem with a system and a staff and a program, but that is not where God wanted the church. He wanted it to go outward, which was good for the gospel and good for the gospel people. Because sometimes the farther away we go, the closer together we become. The farther away we go, the closer together we become. Couldn't tell you exactly where, but I think I overheard that in a car commercial this week. Volvo, maybe? I don't know. The farther away we go, closer together we become. There's an increased connectedness as we venture out together. There's something powerful about that. There is good in having to leave the old behind. Now, this didn't make it an easy time, and James knows this. He's pastoring this church through persecution and famine and civil unrest and empirical orders. He understands trials. And so he's writing from this place, sending out to this church that is all over the land, going through all kinds of challenges and trials. Consider it pure joy, he says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Notice he says, when, not if. When you face trials, not if. Jet uh, recently had, my son recently had a dental implant surgery. 
Long story, long process, uh, lots of money. And in conversation with the doctor leading up to it, you know, you ask like, does it hurt? Is it painful? And the doctor said, yes, yes, it is. And here's what you're going to do to help with that. Which is different, like, does it hurt? Is it painful? Like, well, let's hope not. Like, yeah, it is. This is going to be a little bit of a challenge. I mean, think about any surgery or even getting a shot or an alcohol pad on a wound. Is it going to hurt? Yeah, it is a little. It's going to hurt. I've had work on my teeth, and I always hear the doctor say, when they get ready to go in and, and you have to be numbed for a little bit, he's like, you're going to feel a little pinch right before they drive the syringe into your gum. Like, that's not a little pinch, dude. It's like, hey, this is coming. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable. Like, and these things all hurt, but they're necessary toward healing, toward getting better, toward being healthy. And so it is with trials. They're, they're sanctifying, they're purifying. Because God doesn't just want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy, which can be uncomfortable, but is part of how God shapes and forms us. It's also part of how God loves us. When God sees trials, he's with you in them. He's not an ambulance driver in, in some sense, where he's looking at your life. Oh, shoot, I didn't see that coming. I better get over there. Puts the siren on or shoot over as soon as I can. Sorry, I couldn't have been here sooner. I could have maybe prevented this. No, he's never late. He's with you each step of the way. He's walking with you knowing like, okay, this is going to get a little uncomfortable, this part. Stay close to me. Because every ingredient in our life, God uses for good for those who love him. Even the ingredients you don't like. I love making spaghetti sauce from scratch. And the more time I have, the better. Uh, a good amount of time for me is all day. I like to start in the morning and go all day. And the finished product usually tastes pretty good, but doesn't always taste good along the way. And many of the ingredients don't taste very good on their own. Like you don't just eat salt or pepper, oregano, onion, garlic, parsley, wine. Well, the wine you could eat on its own, but, but the other stuff's not very enjoyable. But in the end, it all works together. It's complete. It's finished. When we talk about completeness or perfect or perfection or wholeness in the biblical Greek or Hebrew, it refers to being not fractured, but integrated, loved by God and in love with God. My entire life, physical and spiritual. The word James uses for trials here or temptations is the same term silversmiths would use when making silver. It was a process of purification. And they would heat the silver in this cauldron over a really hot fire. And as the temperature rose, the impurities in the silver would rise to the surface. The silversmith would then skim those pieces off the top and repeat. And this process would continue until the silver was pure. And the way they knew it was pure was if they can see their own reflection in it clearly. We are in the process of Jesus seeing his own reflection in us. That when he looks at your life, he sees one that looks like his. Our trials are a continuation of the good work that he began in you and I. And understanding this is wisdom. Knowing trials are for your benefit is wisdom. Knowing that God is for you, no matter what your life feels like and knowing that it's going to be okay in the end. 
And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, our people, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this community. Thank you for your work in us. Lord, I pray for those who are going through trials right now, maybe through fire, and maybe it burns and it hurts. Lord, I pray you would draw near to them. Lord, I pray you would begin to bring them out of that season. Lord, help us to know when we're walking through these challenges that it's for our own good. We trust you. We love you. We thank you. In your name, amen. All right, you guys. Peace out. Don't forget your kids. See ya.